When we were last together, we were, we were beginning to bring an end to our study of Romans. We have been studying Romans. Romans 12 is what we started last time. It was uh, three, four weeks ago now. And it dealt with good, practical wisdom for Christian living. How many know that when we consider where our culture is headed, we need good, practical wisdom for Christian living? We need good, practical wisdom. Paul tells us in chapter 12 to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with what? With good. Overcome evil with good. We then jump into chapter 13 of Romans, which begins this way. It says this. First, first verse says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Hmm. We've talked about these verses before. We've talked about, uh, especially uh, when it was coming near election time, is that God ordains who is going to be in authority. Amen? There is no authority except that which is from God. It's clear from Scripture that God sets up both kings and rulers and also tears down kings and rulers. Does that mean that every authority is righteous? No, of course not. There's lots of authorities in this world even today that are unrighteous. Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome. And now there's something we should understand. As they read this, as he's writing it to them, they are under the rule of an evil man named Nero. Nero was an evil man. He was not righteous in any way. Yet Paul makes it clear that God has allowed and ordained him to be the governing authority. In fact, uh, one pastor said that he makes three assertions when it comes to these scriptures. One is this, governing authorities are appointed by God. Now we're going to get into what all of this means. But one is governing authorities are appointed by God. Two means to oppose them is to oppose God and therefore incur punishment. Three means do not oppose them, but be subject to them. Now, uh, some of this chapter and these verses have been debated by theologians. They have been debated back and forth by theologians and pastors and teachers. These verses have been taken out of context in so many times and used to keep Christians down and keep the corrupt in power. For us to understand these verses, we have to read them in what we call context. Amen? We can't just read the Bible. We have to read the Bible. I've said it before. I'll say it again. What did Paul mean here? Did Paul mean what he said? Are his assertions absolute truth? Is there more to the context than just what we read here? And to that... I would say in order to understand it, it's important that we look at Scripture as a whole, not just a snippet. Amen? For us to honor the reading of God's Word, we have to look at and honor it as a whole, not just a portion. 
In both the Old and New Testaments, by the way, we find examples of where God ordained and blessed those who went against authority in order that righteousness would stand. How many know there are times where God ordains and blesses those who go against authority? In Daniel, we see that God sets up kings and rulers, but then he also set up King Nebuchadnezzar. Say Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. This was not a good dude. He commanded that all should bow down to an idol. All should pray to an idol. It was three righteous men. How many know their names? Anybody? Together? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some great names if you're looking at naming your kids. If you want them to be beat up every day of their lives. No, I'm just kidding. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into a furnace because they disobeyed. Because what what what's that? She said Abednego and she said where to go. Nice. <laughs> <coughs> Can't make me laugh today. It's alright. They disobeyed the authority. Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, bow down, pray to this idol. They said, no, absolutely not. We'll not bow down. They were thrown into a furnace. How many know the story? They disobeyed. They disobeyed the authority. They were thrown into a furnace. And God saved and honored them for their act of defiance. For their act of disobedience to the authority that God had set up. This is what's interesting. God had set up the authority... And yet, when they disobeyed the authority, God ordained and blessed them. In the Old Testament, Exodus, we see that Pharaoh was set up by God. But Pharaoh commanded the killing of the firstborn males. Many disobeyed. And in fact, because of that disobeyment, Moses was saved to come back later as the deliverer of Israel. Is she okay? Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Moses was saved to come back as the deliverer of Israel because they went against the authority. In the New Testament, you say, Pastor David, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? In the New Testament, Peter and John are arrested and they're told to stop preaching Christ. They're told if you do this, you're going against the law. But they continued to do so. And when pushed, they state clearly these words, we will obey God rather than men. We will obey God rather than men. Can we, within the context of Romans 13, righteously go against the government? How do the assertions of Paul line up with Christian living and submission to authority? In what may seem like a contradictory statement, Paul says to recognize where authority comes from. To obey that authority. And then in verse 3, he says... Two very important things. He says this, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Number one, he says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. In what seems like a weird and naive statement to make, in light of what was happening as this was being written, 
Paul makes another very important point in verse 4. <clears throat> about the authority. For He is God's ministry to minister to you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid. For He does not bear the sword in vain, for He is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on Him who practices evil. Paul is speaking about us being subject to the authority of what not bad government, but good government. Paul is speaking to us being uh, recognizing the authority and being submitted to a good government, not an unholy, not an unrighteous government. Now, I want to say the statements made about us following authority here. And I go to back to the verses one and two. Verses 1 and 2, these are not absolute assertions. These are not absolute assertions. They are in view of a good government in which good things are approved. Those governments are, go to verse 4, go to the next one, those whose God's ministers to us for good. This also brings into play the heavy subject, and this is a heavy subject, and I'm going to tread carefully here of faith versus nationalism. And you say, Pastor David, what does that mean? Another way to put it is this. How many love your country? I do. Amen? I'm proud to be an American, right? Do you love it more than Christ? One pastor said this, there are many churches... And many of us who have not seriously and earnestly asked themselves, am I more American than I am Christian? Hmm. Am I more American than I am Christian? Let me tell you something. I love this country and the freedoms that it provides, including the right to speak here today. It provides the freedom for me to speak here today, but make no mistake. If my country, which I love, begins to try and force me to go against my faith, I will cast my country aside and fully embrace the beauty of the cross, knowing with assurance that my civil disobedience may lead to persecution and even to death. If my country, which I love, tries to command me away from Christ, I will cast off the flag and embrace the cross. That's a heavy thing to say, especially in a day that we live in where the flag has become much more than just symbolism. It's become a a manner of protest for some people. And I know this can get me into some dicey territory. But listen, I want to say this more than anything else. Before we are American, we are called Christian. Amen? Before we are American, before we are wrapped in the arms of the flag, we are wrapped in the arms of a Savior. Come on. I love this country. I love what what our country has gone through. What veterans have provided for this country. I believe it's right that we honor those things and honor those people and honor the statutes. These are issues that have raised themselves throughout and and including recent history. 
It's our job as Christians to recognize when to turn against the country we live in. When do we turn against the very country we live in? There is coming a day, and I don't know when, and I pray it's not sooner than it seems, when we will be faced with these choices. I like what one commentary says. It says this, If the government forced us to abort babies to maintain population control, we should resist. If the government forbade us to gather as believers, we should gather anyway. If the government banned the Bible, we should own and distribute Bibles anyway. If the government commanded us not to say anything against against homosexual behavior, we should teach the truth that the Bible says anyway. Think about this. If you were a Christian in the 1930s living in Germany, think about that for just a minute. How as a Christian do we respond to reprehensible evil? How as a Christian do we respond to reprehensible evil? How about the evils of slavery in America? And the Christian's response to slavery in America. I like what one pastor said. He said this, The fact that God has ordained all authority does not mean all authority should be obeyed. It is right to resist what God has appointed in order to obey what God has commanded. His appointment of Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, Pilate, Adolf Hitler, and the like may be for our testing. Will we save our lives and submit to the ruling authority? Or will we stand with Peter and say we must obey God rather than men and risk our lives? We must obey God rather than men and risk our lives. When does civil disobedience fall in line with our faith? Hmm. We have to look towards scriptures and pray without ceasing to where God leads us. Amen? Wherever God leads us, we have to look towards scriptures and pray without ceasing. Now, in moving forward, Paul is speaking about good government and gives us this practical wisdom in verse 5. It says this, Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, That's the wrath of the government. How many ever experienced the wrath of the government? How many ever got a ticket? Come on. Ever got a speeding ticket? Ever been put in the clink? (laughs) That is the wrath of the government. We don't comply with the government just because of the wrath. We're, it's not just because we're afraid of the clink. I like saying that. I like uh, It makes me think of like having a coffee cup and having bars. And Do you remember Andy Griffith? How many remember Andy Griffith's show? And it was Otis who would always the prison door was always open. And this is the guy, I mean, he would stumble in there drunk as all get out and go and lay down and he'd shut the door and he put himself in jail. It was funny. Not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For, and then listen to this. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Uh-oh. Paul's getting into some interesting stuff here. For they are God's ministers 
attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I like uh, how the message reads this. It says this. If you're breaking the rules left and right, watch out. The police aren't there just to be admired in their uniforms. God has an interest in keeping order and he uses them to do it. This is interesting. That's why we must live responsibly. Not just to avoid punishment, but because it's the right way to live. That's also why you pay taxes so that an orderly way of life may be maintained. Fulfill your obligations as a citizen. Pay your taxes, pay your bills, and respect your leaders. Amen? Let me say this quickly. I understand that there are corrupt police officers in this world. I understand that. We see them on TV. We see videos of them. We see all this stuff. But for the most part, we should honor and respect those who serve our communities. They are God's ministers to us. Amen? I'll be honest. I got pulled over. Uh, I've told the story before, I'm sure, because it happened about three years ago. And I got pulled over. Uh, I didn't have my driver's license with me at the time. I decided we had to go to uh, Menards, Spencer. And I honestly just, we hopped in the car and left to go get blinds. And on the way back, uh, I didn't realize the, the speed limit was. It's 55, by the way. I was going 70 and... The cop was right there, and I, I waved at the cop as I passed him. I was like, hey, how are you doing? I waved at him. I, I didn't think it was an issue. And uh, I thought, well, maybe like five over is not a big deal. And then he pulled me over, and I went, oh, no. And I looked at Jackie, and I said, I left my wallet at home. And uh, the officer, he, <laughs> he uh, said, sir, uh, come with me to my vehicle, and we can run your information and make sure you are who you say you are. And as he led me away from my vehicle, Jocelyn thought I was being arrested. So she started crying. Uh, They're taking daddy away. And uh, so they put me in the vehicle and uh, he started to run my information. And he said, well, I'm going to I'm not going to give you a ticket for not having your license, but I'm going to give you a ticket for the speeding. And I'm going to knock it down to like five over. It wasn't a huge wasn't a huge thing. I was actually very thankful for it. And after he wrote me the ticket, I, I told him, now, just so you know, I want to thank you. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, he said I don't get thanked very often. I said, the Bible says that you are God's ministers to us. That they are God's civil ministers to us. I understand there's rough ones out there and there's ones who make bad decisions out there. But overall, the police are God's police and firemen. Those who serve us in this community are God's ministers to us. I said this to him. I said, thank you for being God's minister. And he said, I can't take back the ticket. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, I did not tell you that so that you would take back the ticket. I was just having my fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't take back the ticket. But uh, he said, thank you. I don't have many, I don't have people thank me very often. And I said, well, I am thanking you. Uh, you know, it was not, it was an inconvenience, but not a huge deal. So they are God's ministers to us. How many are glad that we have good police and firemen in this community? We do. They help and protect us. The other thing is this, from a Christian perspective, 
In relation to these scriptures, from a Christian perspective, I want to say this. We know that there are those who are disabled, elderly, and infirmed, and it's our responsibility to care for them, right? Right? But as a Christian, you have an obligation to contribute to society as a whole. As a Christian, if you have the ability to contribute and you don't, you are in sin. If you have the ability to contribute and you don't, it says this, fulfill your obligations as a citizen. Pay your taxes. Pay your bills. Pay your taxes. Amen? I've had Christians say, oh, you know, maybe I can, I can fudge this and mess around with this and maybe I can get a little break here. No, no. Don't try to find a loophole. Do what God commands us to do. I know this is different. I know, I know, Pastor David, this is a different kind of message this morning. I, and most churches are satisfied with three points in a poem. That's not here. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. Most churches are satisfied with that. This is a church that will preach the whole gospel, no matter how uncomfortable it may make people. This is a church that will preach the whole gospel. There's something about this church that I love. One is that I get to preach truth unabashedly unabashedly get to preach truth. And two, is that in all we do, it's in love. Amen? In all we do, it's in love. Romans 13, 8-10 says this, Owe no one anything. I like what another uh, verse says. Uh, Be indebted to no one except the debt of love. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I am so proud to know that this church is known by its love. My heart swelled last week to hear Chris Snyder talk about how our church is a testimony of love and truth. My heart swelled. It really did. It's the theme of this church. How many ever ever heard our radio ad on KILR? If you've heard it, it says this. It says that the theme of this church, it says... Uh, where people are loved and faith is grown. Amen? Because our love for you, because of our love for you, we don't want you to remain in a mess. Amen? Because of our love for you, we don't want you to remain in a mess. We want you to grow and thrive in your faith, in your life, and in your relationships, and in your job, and with your kids. Amen? Amen? We want people to thrive in their faith. So we love them. This is just a, this is actually a quite a short chapter. It's only 14 verses. And Paul ends the chapter here with a wake-up call. It's a reminder for Christians both then and now. It says this, And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Somebody say, put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It is time to wake up. That's what Paul is saying here. It's time to wake up. It's time for rest and sleep to be over. The day is at hand. Cast off those things which are holding you back and put on Christ. Don't get pulled into this world and all that it has. We are to be set apart. Amen? To be holy, to be set apart. I like what this commentary says. It says this, Putting on Christ is a strong and vivid metaphor. It means more than putting on the character of Christ, signifying... Rather, let Jesus Christ Himself be the armor that we wear. It is more than just putting on the character of Christ. It's letting Christ Himself be our armor. When you leave the church this afternoon, let Christ be your armor. Amen? Amen. When you leave the church this afternoon and you go to work tomorrow morning, let Christ be your armor. Let Christ be your armor in in the schools and with your friends and with your loved ones. Let Christ be your armor. Be known by His love and His truth. Amen? Amen? Bible says it this way. It is time to wake up. Please stand with me this morning. Oh, Lord. I pray over those here this morning. I pray over myself. Let us be known by our love. Lord, let us wake up this morning. Let us be awake over what's going on in this world. Let let us be aware of what's happening in our culture. Let us put on Christ. Lord, thank You for this church. I thank You for this body of believers. We are known by love and known by truth. Lord, that we would continue to be a shining example in this community. That our influence would be your influence. Lord, that you would be spread from this place. That it not be our name that's lifted high, but your name that's lifted high. Let the name of Jesus be lifted high from this place. Amen? Amen. Lord, I pray over those who are here. I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.